And I just wanted to um, uh, obviously talk about um, the fact that um, this is a very unfortunate injury at a at a very inopportune moment. But um, Jonathan knows that he has the support of the entire organization behind him, and we know um, through who Jonathan is and through history how he's going to approach his rehab. And I can tell you. Um, today, in his mind, is day one of his rehab. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day and you are indeed locked on magic today is august 4th 2020 my name is phil prosenreich i'm the expert and site editor over at orlandomagicdaily.com you can find me on twitter at philip rr underscore omd on today's episode of locked on magic we'll hear more from jeff weltman as well as a couple other players as well as evan fournier of the orlando magic uh, as we continue to react and look ahead to what is next for jonathan isaac after his torn ACL. Um, we'll talk about we'll talk about what the what the initial prognosis is and a couple other issues as well with a uh, with a, with sound from Jeff Weltman coming up in just a moment. We'll also talk with Dr. Brian Suterer, who uh, who uh, obviously is a doctor, um, who will give us a little bit more information about ACL tears, what exactly happened with Jonathan Isaac, and what his prognosis is moving forward. And of course, the games continue on. We'll preview Tuesday's game against the Indiana Pacers. But before we do any of that, I do want to remind you all that you can check out all the great podcasts on the Locked On Podcast Network by searching for every download podcast for Locked On and the team you're looking for. Just like this podcast here covering the Orlando Magic with excruciating detail, there's a podcast for every single team in the NBA with the same level of care and detail that you can only find from a local expert who knows their team best. Want the lowdown on the Indiana Pacers heading into the game and a recap of their win over the Washington Wizards. Thanks for that, by the way, Indiana. You can check out Locked On Pacers for that. You can also get a lowdown on the Wizards, of course, as the Magic are, are now two games away. Magic number is two uh, to win, to, to clinch a playoff spot. We'll talk about the Indiana Pacers coming up in just a moment, or later on in the show, I should say. No matter what your team is, whether it's in the NBA, NFL, NHL, MLB, or College 2, there is a Locked On podcast for you to search wherever you download podcasts for Locked On and the team you're looking for. The Locked On Podcast Network, it's your team every day. The Orlando Magic were down. Um, there's no way to there's no other way to feel or say it. Watching Jonathan Isaac get hurt the way he did is a painful reminder to everyone just how limited, frankly, their time on the court might be. Just how quickly it can all go away. How quickly it can disappear. And how quickly a team's fortune or a team's outlook can change. To be sure, Jonathan Isaac is is such an important piece to this team's future. He is such a bright future, as we've said on this podcast numerous, numerous, numerous times. He is someone that is an elite player, a potentially elite player. He is elite at something. And to see him go down like that is, as Evan Fournier will say later on in the segment, a gut punch. Um, A win, uh, one of the Magic's best wins, most complete performances of the season, felt 
frankly, a little hollow. Um, because, you know, such an important player was gone. But honestly, it's not just that Isaac is an important player. Um, there have been a lot of kind of false equivalencies I've seen in headlines coming from, from Friday where Jonathan Isaac was the lone player to stand for the national anthem. Um, it's abundantly clear now that that was a decision from Isaac that his teammates supported and that everyone around the league supported. It did not matter whether he stood or kneeled. They supported his reasons. They supported his outlook. They understood why he did it. You can go back and hear my thoughts about that from Saturday's episode. But it should be abundantly clear by how every Magic player talked about it after Sunday's game as well as Monday about why this injury was so painful because Jonathan Isaac is just one of the best people. He is a good teammate. He is there for his guys. And they were happy to see him put all the work in to get back. And and that, too, is a gut punch. Jonathan Isaac getting hurt on January 1st uh, with, the lateral, with the posterior lateral quarter injury. You'll learn more about that coming up later on the show. That was, that was an absolute gut punch to see him work so hard to get back, to be on the floor in meaningful games and make a real impact. Not just a... Little impact. A real impact. Helping this team make the playoffs. Helping his teammates. In whatever way he could. Like I said earlier, anything you got from him was a bonus and you were getting a lot from him. It's it's just painful. You know, a lot of, frankly, a lot of yahoos on Twitter were talking about karma. If there were any sense of karma, Jonathan Isaac would be playing and healthy right now. But... This should talk about who Jonathan Isaac is too. Jeff Weltman went up to go see Jonathan Isaac to, to walk to walk down with him, to give him a hug um, as he was preparing to check out of the Grand Floridian, as he was preparing to leave the bubble, as um, he is due to have a further MRI um, on a further MRI to, to just kind of get the, get an extent more extent of the damage, and then the team will decide what direction to move next with him. And certainly, surgery is is most likely on the table. But we'll we'll I think they got to see further what the extent of the damage is and figure out when they can schedule surgery uh, and and kind of get him started on that process. But by the time Jeff Weltman got to Isaac's room to to say to kind of say goodbye, essentially, Isaac was already back to being himself. You know, that crushing moment Sunday had lifted. And it was not Jeff Weltman going to lift Isaac's spirits. It was Isaac lifting Jeff Weltman's spirits, lifting his teammates' spirits as teammates went to visit him before he left and as they said goodbye, as, as they said goodbye to him, essentially, um, as he left the bubble. This is at the very essence of who Jonathan Isaac is. This is who he is truly as a person. Someone who they know is going to work hard. They know is going to be there when at, when they're at, when asked for. And who is going to come back better than ever. As Jeff Waltman described it, already in Jonathan Isaac's mind, it is day one of his rehab. The comeback has already begun. Um, you guys know uh, 
those that follow us locally, how special a person Jonathan is, his dedication to his craft and um, his devotion to his faith. And um, he's, he's already got a track record, unfortunately, of how he's going to approach this injury, how he's going to approach the rehab, um, the work ethic and the positivity that he's going to um, bring to all that bears. And so um, unfor it's unfortunate that we're talking about this yet again, but there's one thing that you know about Jonathan Isaac is he's going to make it, make the best of it. There's obviously still so much that's unknown, right? Like we're, we're not at the point where we can definitively say when Isaac's going to be back or, or, or anything really besides he's out, he's hurt and there's rehab and a long road ahead. There is still so much uncertainty. And while a torn ACL is not a death sentence by any means, it is a long process to come back. Um, you know, notable players that have torn ACLs, you know, Derek Rose obviously had a torn ACL in a very similar kind of injury and, and, and way that, that, that he tore his ACL. And it took him a while. Took, you know, he had to go through some injuries, but Derek Rose was is a sixth man of the year candidate this year. Um, you know, not the MVP level he was. Um, 10 years ago, or almost 10 years ago now, um, but still a very, very good player in this league. Zach Levine, I know a player that, that many Magic fans think the Magic should be in the running for if, if he becomes available on the trade market. Tore his ACL, and he's back at it, and not only just a dynamic athlete, but one, but one of the most gifted scorers in the entire league. You know, Kristaps Porzingis tore his ACL. You know, was out was out for a long time. You know, could have come back late last year, but the the Mavericks decided to hold him out after they acquired him in that trade. He's essentially averaging the same numbers he averaged in New York in 2018. Um, he has, you know, averaged about 19 points per game, nine rebounds per game. You know, shooting more threes, but that's probably more about how Dallas wants to use him. Um, and he's essentially playing with no restrictions while inside the, the Disney campus. He was one of the NBA players who. Uh, tweeted his well wishes to, to Isaac uh, after the injury on Twitter on Sunday. You, of course, have, you know, Clay Thompson, who will be coming back from an ACL injury next year. And all, all reports say that he is as, he is good to go and ready to go after his year off. And then, of course, you have Magic draft pick Chumo Akiki, who everyone is still very high on and still believes can contribute at a high level um, when he returns to play next season for the Orlando Magic, or likely for the Orlando Magic, or likely returns to play next season for the Orlando Magic. At the time of the hiatus, at the time the G League kind of shut its doors for a little bit, Jumo Kiki was shooting jumpers and beginning to play again. So it is very, it, you know, if there is a silver lining in this, we're going to learn a lot about Jumo Okiki uh, and the mag that Magic draft pick uh, next season because the, the, the lineup spot is very open for him to take it. And then if he's as good as the Magic believe he can be, um, he is someone that that will be there. And, and, you know, I asked Jeff Weltman specifically about Chumo Kiki and, and what the experience helping him and, and guiding him through his rehab might give Jonathan Isaac, you know, whether Okiki could be able to share some of his experience with Isaac. Um, and, you know, he said, he, he still said that they're very high on Okiki, that they think that he's a player that can help this team moving forward. So, AC, you know, ACL injuries hurt. Um, but they're not, they're certainly... Certainly, players can can and do come back from this injury very often and fairly successfully, but it's just going to take time. And considering that this injury happened in early August and it's roughly a full year to come back, Isaac's going to miss the 2021 season. And while it is not time to discuss the future and, and how the Magic get better and how the Magic plan for this, 
it, we can't ignore that. Yes, Isaac will be it can become no, he not will, but can become a restricted free agent following the 2021 season. So essentially, the Magic have to make a contract decision on Jonathan Isaac now. That that is a discussion we will have during the off season, um, and a discussion we will have. Uh, in the coming weeks and months, certainly after this season ends, it will be a big. Honestly, I still think an extension is something the Magic could offer him. Um, you know, but we'll we'll see what happens on that front. This is probably not the time to dive too deep into that discussion, but it is a storyline we do need to be aware of. Ultimately, the work is now all on Jonathan Isaac. Um, his, his body has to respond, obviously, to surgery and to treatment. And Isaac has to put in the work once again to get back. He has done that time and time again. It is frankly coded into his DNA. Um, His faith certainly allows him to look at the bright side of everything. And that's all the Magic are doing now. is having faith that things will work out for Jonathan Isaac. I mean, what can I say? Uh, uh, I hope everything is going to go well. Obviously, surgery. So you know, we all hope that the surgery is going to go well, and uh, that the process is going to be uh, not too long for him, and that things are going to go his way. Uh, I mean, I can't tell you I'm confident or anything because I'm, I'm not in control. Uh, I know Gi is going to do everything he can to make things better, but that's that's all I can say. Magic guard Evan Fournier there discussing Jonathan Isaac uh, the day after he got hurt. The Magic, of course. Back in action on Tuesday, on Tuesday against the Indiana Pacers. Um, you know, well, the, the focus will shift back to the season and back to finishing up the season uh, in just a moment. Uh, first, before we get into our discussion uh, about ACL injuries and about Jonathan Isaac with Dr. Brian Suterer, uh, let me tell you a little bit about CBD MD. It is a, um, it is a. a a place that has an amazing duo that can help you relax, regroup, and recharge when life gets chaotic, which which it certainly has now. Check them out today at cbdmd.com. Use promo code NBA for 25% off your purchase. Again, that's cbdmd.com. Well, first question first, Josh. No, it was completely unrelated. Um, There were no structures in the knee that were damaged in the first injury that were impacted in this most recent injury whatsoever. It was completely unrelated. And um, absolutely, unequivocally not brought back too early. Uh, As a matter of fact, um, again, those of you guys that follow us locally know that um, if we're ever going to be criticized as to the timing of returning our players to play, it's, it's at the other end of the spectrum. It's that we're too cautious, we wait too long, take too careful an approach. And the approach to Jonathan, Jonathan's injury was no different than any other injury we've had um, uh, in the last three years. And we are joined now by Dr. Brian Suterer. He has a YouTube channel where he has broken down uh, several injuries in the NBA, kind of explaining what's happening to the body uh, when these when these injuries happen. He just did a video on Jonathan Isaac. We'll link to that uh, on our Facebook page as well as on Twitter. Um, Dr. Suterer, thank you for, for joining us here on Locked On Magic. Um, I, I guess the first thing we have to ask is, you know, what was your 
immediate reaction when you saw Jonathan Isaac's injury in Sunday's game? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on here. It's always nice to be able to, you know, provide some teaching and some education here, even in these unfortunate circumstances. You know, right away, as soon as I saw the first replay, it was concerning for an ACL tear. If you look in any sort of textbook or research article about the classic mechanism for an ACL tear, you could almost superimpose an image of what happened with Isaac's left knee. So definitely was the concerning thing right away. And then unfortunately saw the news confirmed after he had the MRI. Yeah, uh, and and obviously I think that was everyone's worst fear um, that 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 it was a that it was a tear. Um, you know, it, I, I, I we'll we'll get into I think a little bit more, but I mean you noted in your video, and I think a lot of people made this observation too that it was is very similar to the way that that Derek Rose tore his ACL with that kind of hard, you know, kind of side jump stop almost. Um, and and, and if, if you haven't watched the video again, I'll link to it. Um, it he you do a really good job kind of explaining just the, the physics of what's going on uh, when it, with that move and, and what's happening. But, um, it, you know, how how similar was it to Derrick Rose's injury? And, and I, I think something that's kind of been a bigger picture issue is, is this a move that that should be taught anymore to do? So it was very similar to Derrick Rose's injury, just in the sense of his knee collapsing inward. That's a term that we call dynamic knee valgus. So dynamic meaning moving, and valgus is the descriptor for that kind of knock-kneed, knees caving inward position. And whenever the knee caves inward like that, it just puts a significant amount of torque and load on the ACL. It's just a very vulnerable position for that um, for that ligament. And so, you know, the play almost identical in terms of when it happened. And, you know, it's it's hard to say. I don't want to necessarily blame and say, well, we should get rid of, you know, a hop step permanently and it should never be taught because it can certainly be an effective move. I think what's more important is making sure that we're teaching the proper principles of good biomechanics because things like ACL tears can somewhat be prevented with the right types of rehab and therapy. And so I think it's just even more of an emphasis on needing to have proper rehab and technique as opposed to just saying, well, let's, you know, abolish a basketball move that's been pretty effective for people. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. And obviously, you know, when, when you're in the heat of battle, you know, you're, you're going to do what you have to do almost to, to get to get by the guy. And especially with how athletic right. some of these guys are, um, you know, they, they, they can do things and, you know, they, they do push the limits of, of the human body sometimes, I feel like. Um, I've, you know... I guess this is a time to dispel some myths about about ACL tears, I, I think, a little bit. I've always kind of operated under the assumption that injuries like this are are either somewhat random or um, or, you know, potentially something like, you know, you have X amount of jumps in your in your knees before, you know, some before something gives out, especially if maybe they're fatigued or or you, you put them under a lot of a lot of stress um, beforehand, which I know is a big concern in the NBA these days, trying to prevent kind of overuse injuries. Um, first off, tell me if either of those are, are true or, or just complete myth. And, and what's kind of the biggest myth about ACL tears? You know, maybe I maybe I said them there, but what is what is the biggest myth that, that maybe the public has about these kinds of injuries? There's definitely just an intrinsic, I think, genetic factor to a lot of the risk for these um, for these types of injuries. You know, even when you look at the exact sort of angle and position of the ligament within the knee joint, everybody's body is going to be a little bit different. And we know that depending on the, the exact kind of configuration of the ligament, the size of the ligament, 
these other kind of anatomical factors within the knee, you can be at higher risk compared to somebody else. But what's sort of modifiable when we look at risk factors, you know, you can't you can't change this the shape of your bone. You know, you can't make your ligament bigger the way you can make a muscle bigger. But what you can modify that I think a lot of people are starting to realize more and more in certainly the medical community, but also in just the, you know, athletic training, the sports community is that you can do kind of specific prevention programs to try and basically limit the amount of position that you put your knee into that's going to make you at risk of having an ACL tear. So as you guys can see from the video with Isaac, so that kind of knee caving inward position, you can train the muscles around the hip and around the knee to basically try to limit the amount of times you go into that kind of high risk position. And so, you know, there's nothing you can do to make your ligament thicker or stronger. It's entirely about trying to sort of balance and train the muscles around the knee and in the hip so that you don't allow the knee to get into that concerning position. Yeah. I mean, and I think, I mean, I think there's, there's, there's a lot to that. And especially with, with John, with Jonathan, just kind of getting back to playing regular basketball. I mean, he was, you know, practicing with the team for maybe two weeks before uh, the game started. Um, you know, he was just getting back into into kind of contact and kind of high intensity games. The Magic were still keeping him on about a 15 minute uh, restriction. Um, so, you know, certainly he was under a lot of stress. Um, I, I, I think immediately once the the once the injury occurred, especially because it was in the same left knee that he injured back in January. Um, everyone started to get concerned that, that, you know, did the magic bring him back too soon? Um, you know, you, you didn't hear it, but, but I, I, I played it before this segment, you know, Jeff Weltman said that the doctors at, in Orlando after the initial MRI told him that the two injuries were, were unrelated, um, that, you know, he, he said, you know, Weltman said unequivocally, you know, one injury did not cause the other or impact the other, but is, is, is there a core, I mean, I guess. First off, I don't think I ever got a clear explanation of what his initial injury was or, or where it occurred. It seemed like a very kind of odd and rare sprain. Um, but is there a potential correlation between those injuries, even if the torn ACL maybe didn't damage what 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 healed over time um, from from the injury in January? Yeah, that's a great question. So the initial injury he had back in January was to a group of structures in the knee that we call the posterolateral corner. So posterolateral that's posterior so the back of the knee and then lateral meaning the outside so it's there's essentially a group of um, ligaments and tendons that sit sort of in the outer back portion of the knee joint and that was what was injured back in january and now you know those ligaments are not the acl so this isn't like he had an acl sprain in january and you know the, the ligament hadn't fully healed I think what is, you know, a question you do have to ask, though, is, you know, he was wearing a pretty significant uh, knee stabilizing brace out there on the court. And that's not something that you see a basketball player wearing too often. You know, those are braces that you see, you know, offensive linemen in the NFL wearing to provide some stability to their knees. And so that tells me that either Jonathan personally felt like he was still having some instability in his knee or the medical staff maybe thought there was still some instability in the knee because otherwise there's no reason to wear a big bulky brace like that, especially on a basketball court. So, you know, it, it could just be something that mentally he was wearing um, to feel more confident, even though there was no, you know, instability in his knee. I think the bigger possible relationship is, you know, one kind of simple example is we know that having weak hamstring muscles and having tight quadriceps muscles 
So basically, uh, impaired balance in the front and back of the thigh can put you at risk of an ACL tear. And so if somebody's coming off of an injury that, you know, maybe they haven't fully rehabbed or they're not, you know, back to that full 100%, if you have any slight imbalances in the muscles around the knee, you can be at risk of having a more catastrophic injury like this, particularly if you get into one of these kind of provoking positions. So, you know, the hard part is there's always some risk that you have to accept when you put somebody back out on the court. You know, you can never wait until the risk is zero. And so, you know, certainly I don't think there's any reason to suspect that the the magic, they're the magic's uh, medical staff, you know, put him out there knowing that he was at risk of getting hurt. I think when they weighed the risks and benefits, they felt like the risk was minimal enough to warrant getting back out there on the court. So, you know, certainly it's easy to nitpick in hindsight and say, well, you know, maybe there was something here. But also, if he would have played and not gotten hurt, nobody really would have questioned this. Yeah, for sure. And 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 knowing knowing the magic, I mean, I mean, Jeff Waltman, the president, the Magic's president of basketball operations, even said when he he spoke to the media on Monday, the Magic are known for just being extremely cautious. I mean, Waltman even acknowledged the criticism that some people have of the Magic that they're too cautious with these guys. Yeah. Um. And so, you know, it 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 might have just been one of those things where there's you know a one in a million chance or one, you know, not to put a number on it, but you know, one in a very long shot chance that this could happen. I mean, this can happen even with a fully healthy player. Let's, let's be perfectly clear. Exactly. Um, yeah, exactly. It, it's, it's just, it's sort of part of the game. Um, right. you know, ACL injuries in the, in basketball used to be something of a death sentence. Um, it's certainly not that anymore. We've seen lots of examples of guys who've been able to come back from ACL injuries and play at an all-star level. Um, you know, a, a guy magic fans are really fond of Zach Levine is, is, is someone who's come back from an ACL tear. Uh, we've seen Kristaps Porzingis with Dallas do it. Uh, Clay Thompson is, is preparing to come back from an ACL tear, uh, next season as well. Um, what is the, and, you know, and, and of course magic draft pick Chumo Kiki also, um, towards ACL and is set to begin his rookie year next year. What, what is the, the general prognosis for recovery? It's obviously different for each person, but what, what can people expect to, to hear from Jonathan Isaac or when can people expect to see Jonathan Isaac back on the floor? I would expect a year is just sort of the general rough estimate that we would give a patient in this situation. So, you know, thinking ahead to next season, I would anticipate that he would miss all of the next season, I guess, with, you know, the schedule change, however that sort of plays out. Um, so I would expect him to be kind of back healthy sometime around the end of next summer. And certainly it depends on what happens with the schedule next year. But, you know, you're right. You know, if we look historically, an ACL tear was sort of a, a career death sentence for a player. But now, you know, you can tear your ACL and come back and, and play at the same level that you were at beforehand. Um, so it definitely is not anything career ending for him. You know, the interesting thing will be if they do any additional repair to structures from his previous injury. So I know initially he did not require surgery when he got hurt back in January. But, you know, depending on what they see when they actually go in there for his ACL tear, you know, there might be some damage or something that they choose to repair from his prior injury. But either way, I would still plan on roughly a year or essentially one season um, to expect for his loss. Yeah, um, you know, I I I, I think that that's pro that's probably fair, and of course, you know, the the NBA calendar schedule making things a little bit weird, and you know, unfortunately, we do ha we do have to talk about it at some point. Jonathan Isaac becomes a or is slated to become a restricted free agent at the end of the 2021 season, so the Magic will be potentially signing him a, a bit blind uh, with 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 his in terms of his recovery. Um, I, I reached out to to Nick, um, who who got me in touch with you, Nick Angstad of Locked On Mavericks, um, because I felt like the closest parallel. 
Um, that that to Isaac, you know, kind of a player who's very similar to him is Kristaps Porzingis. And, and I think the question that I had, um, you know, because we've seen, you know, Porzingis took a little bit longer to come back. Some of that was he was very unhappy with the Knicks and didn't want to play for them anymore. Um, sure. So that was certainly part of the puzzle. You know, there's I think there's indication that he could have played toward the end of that that first season with the Mavericks um, played toward the end of last season. Uh, but the Mavericks decided to kind of keep him out. Um, is there I mean, obviously, these are kind of superhuman guys. I mean, Porzingis is seven foot one. Isaac is listed at six eleven. We we suspect he is also seven feet. Um, you know, with with kind of longer limbs, is 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 there something different that has to be done to kind of protect these guys, or 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 is there something that's maybe lost? You know, because you know, just biomechanics. There's there's a lot more of of him to to go around. Yeah, so I think when you see an injury like this in a player, it's a great opportunity to sort of reevaluate and reset their movement patterns. You know, Derek Rose was kind of the classic example of somebody whose career was just mired by terrible injuries. But if you look at the way that he plays now compared to the way he played back when he was with the Bulls, it's a very different style. He's not taking aggressive risks around the rim. His landing mechanics have improved. His jumping mechanics have improved. And subsequently, he's been healthier, at least from a, a lower body standpoint. And so, you know, when someone gets hurt, like what happened here with Isaac, and you're going through this this rehab process, you're essentially rebuilding from the ground up. And so in one sense, it almost gives the player an opportunity to come out better than they were beforehand, because you really have to dive in and look at all these little movement patterns and, you know, muscle imbalances and muscle inefficiencies to really fine tune everything because you know that they need to be healthier going forward. And so in some cases, you could argue that a player coming out of this could be in a little bit better shape just because they've kind of been forced to take a step back and really evaluate everything. Whereas beforehand, you know, they weren't getting hurt. They were playing fine. There was no real reason to go through an extensive rehab process. So, you know, p potentially a little bit of a silver lining with it. Yeah. And, and I'm, and, and for sure. And I think a lot of guys, you know, typically say, you know, they, they come back stronger because they, they have to focus so much on getting, getting sure. back, back to it. And obviously there's a long road ahead. You know, Monday was just day one. Um, you know, uh, the way, the way Jeff Waltman said, Jonathan Isaac phrased it, you know, Monday was day one of his recovery. And, uh, you know, you know, yeah. we know, we know Isaac's a, a hard worker and, and a generally optimistic and, 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 you know, kind of positive thinking person. So, uh, it, it's a long, long road ahead, obviously, but, but, Definitely thank you for, for the information and kind of giving us um, a little bit more more information on, on what's ahead for Isaac and, and what, what exactly happened. Uh, where, where can my listeners find you if they want to kind of learn a little bit more uh, about kind of sports, about, you know, sports medicine and, and sports injuries and what's, what's really going on? Sure. So follow me over on YouTube. Uh, my channel name is Brian Suter, MD. Um, I try to post videos pretty frequently, staying up to date as soon as, uh, you know, any news happens across not just the NBA, but also, you know, NFL season coming up. Um, we do a lot of MMA content over there. So really trying to cover kind of all the major sports just to really take advantage of learning opportunities when stuff like this happens. Also, um, I'm over on Twitter as well, kind of for more of that real time kind of in the moment breakdowns when stuff happens. But uh, really just trying to, you know, use my love of sports and also medicine to kind of have a good teaching outlet to give people an opportunity to learn and make learning more enjoyable when it's, you know, about their favorite athletes. Yeah, and, and absolutely. And I think, you know, a lot of a lot of times, you know, like I, I admit here, I pro there's probably some myths that 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 I 
believed in and that 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 I think that I think someone like you can definitely help uh, dispel and, and help make fans a whole lot smarter when it comes to injuries and and certainly about you know with especially with with athletes I, I think sometimes we we got to remember that that they're 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 fighting kind of the same things that that we're fighting every day sometimes uh, with our bodies and, and and pushing our pushing our bodies uh, when when we do so um, thank you again Dr Suter for for coming on and, and giving us this information I, I appreciate it and hopefully hopefully I don't have to talk to you anytime soon <laughs> yeah yeah let's hope not thanks for having me. My thanks to Dr. Suterer for coming on to the show and giving us a little bit more information on torn ACLs, how they happen, and what the prognosis is moving forward. I want to thank also Nick Angstad of Locked On Mavericks for hooking, for hooking me up with him or for, for, for pointing me in his direction uh, so we could get this information as well. Before we move on to talk a little bit more about Tuesday's game against the Indiana Pacers, we are so happy that sports are back. We're happy that we have games to talk about to begin with. And I know some of you are on here to get the lowdown on this matchup because, yes, some of us like to have a little skin in the game. Whether it's a home run, a slam dunk, a touchdown, a power play goal, or whatever it is, sports being back means that the books are open once again. My bookie has up-to-the-minute odds on all your favorite teams, and with the start of sports back up and running, there's never been a better time to start playing. With MyBookie, it's easy. You bet, you win, they pay. It's that simple. Feeling good about your team's chances this year? Be sure to check out MyBookie's World Series future bets as well as NBA playoff future bets. Nothing shows you believe in your squad like betting on them before the season's even begun or early on in the season while no one's really paying attention to them. I see you, Miami Marlins. Well, maybe maybe, maybe don't bet on them because who knows if they're actually going to play a season. Why stop there, though? Smart bettors are looking toward the future, and in this case, that means basketball, hockey, and football as their seasons get into full swing. MyBookie is already accepting bets on all your favorite NBA, NHL, and NFL games in addition to MLB games, too. There's never been a better time to start exploring the world of online sports betting. Join today, and MyBookie will match your deposit 100%, plus they'll toss you a free $10 MLB future wager. All you got to do is enter promo code LOCKEDONNBA when signing up. Remember, my bookie, the terms are simple. You bet, you win, they pay. Just very briefly want to talk about the Magic's upcoming game against the Indiana Pacers. It's obviously a big one. Um, I remember back in November, the Orlando Magic were sitting at 3-6. and six. They struggled a little bit out of the gate, um, but everything was still fine. It's still so early in the season, and they had an early uh, four-game homestand, I believe. Early homestand. They beat the Memphis Grizzlies, which at the time everyone thought was going to be a really poor team, and they're getting ready to face the Indiana Pacers. I remember distinctly Evan Fournier saying after practice in November at that time that the Indiana Pacers are essentially where the Magic want to be. They are a sixth seed, a team that's capable of moving up, but a team that really isn't going to move down, a team that just plays solid and gets the most out of their guys even without a superstar. Because remember, Victor Oladipo wasn't playing at that time. To Evan Fournier, and I think to a lot of the Magic, this was a measuring stick game for them. This was a game that would tell them whether they were truly ready to take that next step up. If they were ready to be competitive at that level the Pacers were competitive at and fight for the sixth seed. Indiana's moved up to five this year. Well, that game did not turn out according to plan. That game was... I didn't think it was a disaster. I remember watching it and thinking, oh, you know, the Pacers are getting all the shots the Magic want. 
They're taking a lot of mid-range jumpers and they're making them, you can live with it. That's how I felt. Steve Clifford felt very differently, thinking the Magic's defense was not nearly physical enough. They let the Pacers walk into those shots without contesting them very well, uh, and the Magic gave up that game. Um, it was a big game. It was a big moment, and it was a uh, not a crushing loss, but it was a dispiriting loss for the team. They, they would continue and, and do well on the rest of that homestand. This game has that feeling once again. This game against the Indiana Pacers has that feeling of another measuring stick game. The Magic have blown out and frankly just destroyed two very good teams, or two, uh, not two, two of the worst teams, I shouldn't say very good, two of the worst teams in the campus setting, to be frank. Um, the Brooklyn Nets are going to play hard. They're able to hit shots, but they're not going to win very much. They're looking to probably finish eighth. The Nets play the Milwaukee Bucks on Tuesday, by the way. So Orlando should feel okay about staying in seventh by the end of the day. The Sacramento Kings spent the whole day talking about how they weren't good defensively and you know the rest of the teams for the, that are fighting for eighth place and fighting for a spot in the, in the play-in series um, are certainly seem to be passing the Kings by a little bit. Um, it was not a good effort from the Sacramento Kings and and, and, and while that wasn't expected, it, it, it was not good. The Indiana Pacers, meanwhile, are playing extremely well. You know, yes, let's maybe count or not count a game against the Washington Wizards, probably the worst team in the bubble, no offense to the Wizards. Um, a 114-100 win over the Wizards, where they just simply kind of outlasted them to the end. Or 111-100 win, excuse me, gave them three more points there. Outlasted them to the end was just what you would expect from a good team like the Pacers. Playing without Victor Oladipo again, who's not playing in back-to-backs. The Pacers still just found a way. And really, everything offensively right now revolves around TJ Warren. He scored 53 points against the against the Philadelphia 76ers on Saturday. Added another 34, including 11 rebounds and 4 assists on Monday. However, he did shoot only 1 for 6 from beyond the arc in this game after really tearing it up from 3 in the, in the other game. T.J. Warren just abused that defense. And it's going to be imperative that the Magic lock down T.J. Warren in this game. Aaron Gordon is going to have his work cut out for him defensively. He will probably get the first assignment on T.J. Warren in this game. And if the Magic are able to cut him off, if the Magic are able to slow him down, that's going to help, but that's not going to guarantee very much. The Pacers, though, are not deep right now. They played only nine guys in Monday's game. All of their starters played more than 30 minutes. Now, even Malcolm Brogdon's first game back, he played 34 minutes. 20.6 for 18, shooting 2 for 7 from beyond the arc. The Pacers are certainly a dangerous team. Uh, you know, I'm not going to say that, that they're, they're not a good team. They're a very good team. Uh, uh, but they are still the measuring stick that the Magic want to kind of test themselves against. This is the exact team they want to test themselves against. This is the exact team that the Magic have to be able to beat, a team that moves and shares the ball, that plays tough defense, that makes life hard for their opponents. The Wizards shoot just 43.6%. I know the Wizards don't have a lot of offensive options, but when you got a guy like Miles Turner blocking two shots, TJ Warren blocking four shots, you get 11 block shots from the, Wizard, from the, from the Pacers in this game. This is a team that is tough and that is going to make it difficult for the Magic to score in the paint. Orlando's going to be, have to be on their game and they're going to have to make shots. And that could make it some, something of a 50-50 prospect that the Magic are able to compete and able to win this game. 
Fatigue might play a role. You know, we'll see if Oladipo plays. I suspect that he will. Um, and, and how much he is able to add to this team and add to the to the fray on this front. But this is a game the Magic should feel some measure of confidence about. I'm not going to say a lot. I'm not going to say a ton. Some measure of confidence. And this is a game that the Magic know if they are locked in, they can compete and they can win this game. Indiana has had their number. They have had they have had some big performances. They have outlasted them in the fourth quarter, and that's where this game is going to come down to. If the Magic are able to compete and execute in the fourth quarter, because this is going to be a close game. This will be the first real challenge of the campus setting of the schedule. This back-to-back, obviously Toronto on Wednesday is, is going to be very tough. Toronto is very, very good. This is going to be the real test. We're going to find out just how good the Magic are and just how ready the Magic are. They can inch one game closer to clinching a playoff spot with Brooklyn playing Milwaukee, like I said. Very likely they could take a one and a half game lead for that seventh seed. That would be huge. Just get a little bit of distance would be huge. Tip-off is at 6 o'clock. The Orlando Magic taking on the Indiana Pacers. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. Of course, find us on Twitter at Locked on Magic. Subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himalaya, Google Play, Spotify, and all the fun places on the podcast to your podcast-enabled listening device. You can find me on Twitter at philiprr_md, And of course, for the latest on the Orlando Magic, be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. If you want to check out Locked on Pacers on the latest episode, Tony East and Adam Friedman discuss Malcolm Brogdon's return. TJ Warren's dominant performance once again as the Pacers beat the Wizards and look ahead to today's game against the Orlando Magic. Be sure to check that out. Locked on Pacers wherever you download podcasts today. Also, thank you to Dr. Brian Suterer for coming on the show and talking about ACL injuries with us. We certainly appreciate the education and the knowledge. But that's going to do it for me today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. We'll see you again tomorrow as we break down the Magic scheme against the Indiana Pacers. But until then... For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked On Magic, this has been Philip Ross and Mike. I'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.